Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, welcome into another episode of the Clap Trap. We have the last episode of the week to finish things up, and I have brought my good friend Matt on to talk a lot about the Celtics, uh, but we're also going to get into some NFL topics as well. Uh, we have some good things to talk about, but first of all, as always, Matt, thank you for coming on to the show. I, I appreciate it. I know it's been a little while, but I'm happy to be able to talk some Celtics with you. Yeah, I'm fired up. I got a lot to say, so thanks for having me on. Good, good, good. That's what we always like to hear here on the Claptrap. Got to have some good takes about everything going on with our teams and anything else going on in uh, the the world of sports. But we have some pretty crazy good teams right now in New England playing. It's been kind of surprising from some standpoints, uh, at least when you think about the Bruins. I didn't think that they were going to come and start. Certainly not this hot, but uh be anywhere near what they are so far. And then obviously you got the Celts doing good as well. So I got to ask you just to kind of start off the show. I know you're bigger on the Celtics, but what do you got to say? Who Who's the more impressive Boston sports team right now? Is it the Celtics or the Bruins? I'm going Celtics. I'm obviously biased for, for several different reasons. You know, sometimes you get to pick one as a winter sport kid, either basketball or hockey. I think we know which way each of us went. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, plus the, the Celtics are coming up. I mean, they're coming off of a, a almost title run, so bigger expectations. It, you know, there's not you know, this is not so much lightning in a bottle. You know, this is like an institutional sort of thing they're building. Uh, the Bruins, I mean, I don't, I don't, not that I can sit there and, and give you, you know, hockey hardo like you know, bit for bit and how to break down a game, but. I don't know. I mean, this could just be, I mean, they're doing this like without like, all the injuries they've got going on. Um, it's an impressive story, man. I mean, the first place, but I don't know. I, I still think that there's higher expectations on the Celtics and I think there's a much higher chance of something good happening out of them. Oh yeah. I mean, they have arguably the best player in all of new England sports right now. And Jason Tatum, right. He's got the best chance probably to be, you yeah. know, he's an MVP candidate. I can't see anyone else in new England sports, that's, that would be considered better than him overall. So uh, they have that. Mac Jones. Had a, Mac Jones, nowhere close uh, that I think that they have obviously started off to a great record and everything like that, but I'm going Bruins, obviously. Yeah. You said it. You're picking Celtics. I'm going Bruins. I mean, 14 and two start to start off the year, nine and zero at home. Those are both franchise records for a storied franchise. I mean, I know the Celtics are also a historically franchise uh, or crazy franchise there, but the Bruins, uh, best start that they've ever had. They have 65 goals through 16 games, crazy pace, five more than anyone else in the Eastern Conference. Uh, in they also have only given up 35 goals in the season, which is best in the Eastern Conference as well. They've been dominant. You said it yourself. They had to deal with a lot of injuries coming out. They didn't even have Charlie McAvoy until just recently. Uh, Brad Marchand to start off the year, they didn't have him. So, I don't know. I, that, it's it's crazy. I don't expect it to continue. There's no way that you could. There's no way that teams like this do this in hockey. I mean, 14 wins already out of 16 games. That just doesn't happen. So they'll come back down to earth. But it's more impressive to me out the, out the gate. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the Celtics aren't impressive. Like I said, they got a lot of good stuff going on. They got a potential MVP candidate in Jason Tatum. And that leads me to the second question that I had for you, Matt, talking about the Celtics and everything that they got. Everybody's been talking Jason Tatum lately. Do you agree? Do you think that Jason Tatum is the best player in the Eastern Conference right now? 
Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, arguably, maybe now within the next year or so, eight, you know, whole NBA. I mean, he's he's got that talent, man. And I just what I love watching about him this year is he's playing on like all like he's playing all around. He's you know he's getting rebounds. He's crashing for like eight boards usually, like something in that range. Not you know he's not too far away from the double doubles. And he, I don't know how many he has, but I mean he's he's definitely put double digit rebounds up on several occasions this year. Friggin', he's just he's good. His defense is way better. He's he's trying. He's running the floor. He's in front of guys like, you know, he's not. I think he's it's like an appropriate amount of like you know whining for calls now. The t- the tee he got on him the other night was freaking ridiculous. But no, I, I'm all in on him. I mean, I'm I just showing you my my Boston Celtics City Edition Jason Tatum jersey. I, I'm bought in, you know, and it's, it's probably the first time I bought a jersey for someone younger than me in <laughs> in a long long time. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, he, he can be MVP. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He's in the running right now. He's up there as uh talks for, I mean, I mean, his most recent run that he had up until this last game where both him and Jalen Brown couldn't really shoot well leading up to that. I mean, he had a 40 point performance the other night. He had multiple 30 point games. He's averaging 31, seven and four on the season, plus a block and a steal per game. The guy is a beast right now, but Unfortunately, I still think there's somebody that's better than him right now in the Eastern Conference, and that's Giannis. I, I don't. I just have to keep going with him right now. I mean, the guy is also on an absolute tear right now. He's averaging 30 with 12 rebounds a game and five assists. It feels like he's got to do it a lot more on his own, kind of. They're just behind the Celtics. I still got to give Giannis the, the little bit of a boost over there. But, I mean, Tatum, this is the season where he's taking over. He's changing people's minds. He's putting himself in that legitimate conversation, and I love to see it. I'm just not ready to put him over Giannis just yet. Just yet. He's still just yeah, too physical. In terms of – yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of an overall, like, all-around player, like, you know, with all the, the physical bits of it and just – of course, I mean, Giannis is a freak. But I will – there is always, like, the – like the whoever selects the MVP and all the awards at the end of the year, there's always that fatigue. Like, we can remember, like, LeBron years, you should have won it, but what are you going to give it to him a fourth year in a row? So, like, with Giannis, I mean, what was – didn't Giannis double up last year? He got defensive and he got the MVP. Was that – I think I think that, that was – Am I remembering that right? And yeah, I think yeah. He got the, the MVP the year before that. No, Nikola Jokic. What am I doing? Yeah, he got the last two years. But he got Giannis defensive got player defensive. Or, Yeah. And no, then, because uh, Marcus Smart got it. So then Giannis got it the year before. Any case, um, uh, we're going to lose my train of thought here. Um, no, I mean, the thing is, the, Tatum doesn't have the accolades. He, so he doesn't, he still has like that empty trophy case where I feel like you can get some sort of a little bit of. It's his turn from next. The, uh, from like the. Yeah, exactly. That's that's probably the best way to put it. All right, we need to collect our thoughts here and get back on track. But when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Jason Tatum and the Celtics here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back and answering the question, is Jason Tatum the best player in the Eastern Conference? Let's get back to it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I think that he is, he's put himself firmly in that conversation. Um, but yeah, I don't know until I need to see it for the entire season. First of all, once again, put his team on his back kind of thing, but go on that crazy run, keep that first place in the conference. That'll really prove it to me. 
Uh, but still right now, I'm, I'm Giannis uh, until further notice. I mean, Giannis is still shooting 51%, and he's actually starting to shoot three-pointers now. The guy is starting to change up his game. He's already shot as many three-pointers almost as he did last year. I think he only took like 45 last year. He's already up to like 35, 36 this year. So Giannis is trying to chuck it up there too. So he's changing his game uh, to try and stay with these other guys. Yeah, how's free throws, how's free throws doing? I think I think yeah. like sixty two. I think he got a little better. Ah, I think he actually went down. He's he's gone down so far this year. I think I was looking at that. I think last year he was like 67%. Now he's around 62, 63. So he's obviously got to get that better. That's a big part of his game. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go. I mean, you, uh, you just, can't close. If you can't hit free throws, you can't be the guy to close the game. It's true. It's just nice to see Tatum in this position, though. I, I think we've all, for the uh, last couple blood. of seasons, yeah, yeah we, we knew that he was going to get here. It's just nice to, like, officially have him here, I think. Yeah, he's 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 that man now. He's that dude. He's yeah. he got the shoulders. He's got the freaking size. He's he's beastly now. <laughs> he did. He put on some uh, some good size there, and he's he's uh, thrown his weight around and his complaints around. But like you said, those are getting a little better. I guess we'll we'll see how things go with that. I, I'm glad that they rescinded those tech that tech uh, for him, and they did it again earlier in the season as well uh, because we can't have those things adding up. Can't have it. No, I, re- I react worse than that when I coached the eighth grade travel team over here. I mean, that's like that that whole, like, oh, all you do is punch his hand. Like, oh, gosh, darn yeah. it. You know, you yeah. workers. Yeah. In the that, moment, that. too. It was funny because uh, Scalabrini was trying to do his best Tommy Heinsohn, and he was just screaming and yelling and being like, he was just frustrated that he didn't play or that he missed a layup the last time. This wasn't anything about that moment. And I was like, T- Scalabrini, like, what are you doing? I don't even understand what you're complaining about right now. Yes, we get it. It wasn't that big of a deal, but relax. I don't know. He's uh, going to draw those viewers in. Got to draw those viewers in. That's true. But there are other players on this team that mean a lot to this Celtics squad. Uh, Jason Tatum is obviously a, the D guy. And then you got uh, Jalen Brown as well. But if you had to say the most important player that doesn't start their name with J-A-Y, on this Celtic squad, who is that and why? I don't know. I've, I've got a couple of favorites this year. I mean, uh, I don't know. Hauser has just been like, he's got a little, little sweet spot for me. He's like, you can get Grant Williams, get out of here. Like, for, you know, just <laughs> go, go with the Hauser in the corner. That was cool. No, and that's, there's, yeah, I mean, Derek White stepped up decent uh, you know, the other night. I don't know what his stat line was, but uh, I mean, like you were saying, not the Jays didn't shoot too well against Atlanta the other night, but they still won by like, freaking 30 i mean they just blew Crazy. absolutely blew him out right you know late 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 scratch i mean i mean Derek white came in moved the ball around he, he's capable of starting i don't know i think it's yeah i mean he, he's making he's he's had a good week he's making you know he's getting <laughs> making the most of his minutes no i i, I like the whole team in i mean I, I marcus is obviously you know could be could be stepping it up could be playing a little bit harder but you know it's dpois get some of that dpoi hangover yeah, I, yeah. I, I can go through the whole roster. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just a fan. <laughs> you're just, yeah, you're just green teaming right now, fanboying about. I don't that. have, a, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about the squad these days. No, I'm you, to be honest with you. No, you can't have anything bad to say about him right now. But you can pick one dude, and you didn't even say my guy, Al Horford. It's Al Horford. Come on, this guy is averaging 31 minutes a game at his at this year at, at, in his career. Was this his 16th season? Something ridiculous like that. He's 36 or whatever it is. The guy is an old man we thought his career was done now he's coming back and he's averaging 31 minutes when we need him to the most without rob williams on the court i'm just loving everything that al horford did you know you know that i'm a big al horford guy anyways he's averaging 11 points seven rebounds and two assists 
uh, with about a block a game, shooting 54% from the field and 44% from three-point range. It's Al Horford. Al Horford is the most important player on this team that doesn't start with J-A-Y. How many games – I feel like he's he's been out like a little bit. How many games is – I'm trying to look up his stats right now, but I – well, you didn't play the other night, me. right? You're going to get it quicker than me, but I thought I saw it. There's nine, like it nine and three. I don't know if that's the identical record. You know, this is great, great podcasting right here, but um, <laughs> the, look, the look up yeah, it says, it says he's nine and three as like his record is listed on his splits. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, you Blake's can fawn well. over him all you want. You know, we all know he's going to, he's going to, water's going to find its level. He's oh, going to yeah. fall back to, you know, his, 12, five, probably 12, five and five. Now I think it's where he's really settling in. So he's, he's right there. He's 11, seven and two. It's the stuff that you're not seeing though on the stat sheet that we, that we always love him for. Finally, finally, we can really recognize this because he doesn't have that gigantic contract looming over his head, right? That everybody, that's why he was always hated on or not. I mean, looked down on. It didn't, I think he's still in the last year of that crazy ass deal. Because he had a, a kicker that if he made the finals, like he oh, was like, yeah, his yeah, yeah, yeah. last year got fully guaranteed. Yeah, so he's making that like that. 30 plus million. Yeah. Good. He deserves it. He deserves it. We need him. <laughs> <laughs> we need him right now. More. No, I, I think in all honesty, it's just because Rob Williams is out. We don't really have another big man. What are you putting out there? Cornette? Uh, you know, like that's that's the only other real big that we have. Al's got to play some major minutes. Like I said, at, at his age, Doing 31 minutes a game in even just the 12 games that he's played. I mean, come on. That that's that's to me, that's huge for this team. And he's the veteran presence. He's the veteran presence on the court. And uh, apparently they don't hate him. Like I thought I heard rumors about last year with him and Jalen Brown getting into it or whatever. I guess that's all squash. So he's great. He's great. I just wanted to be able to how talk do you, about How do you go about more. hating? How do you go about hating like the, like the old school bet on the team? Like what kind of dink do you have to be to be like i got a bone to pick with you savvy vet how dare you try and tell me i know what i'm going to be doing here i know what to do okay time for another break but when we come back i'll continue professing my love for al horford and more here on 90.7 wkkl the clap trap with your host zach clap still reminiscing about how good al horford has been not only this year but in previous seasons here we go. I remember, think those Florida, remember those Florida Gators teams? Those Florida yeah. Gators teams. I was like, yeah. I thought it was crazy, too. I mean, if you think back on it, wasn't he? Al Horford was like a rookie in that 2008 year or, or something, right? When we uh, when we actually won the championship with KG and everything. I, he was on that Atlanta Hawks team. I think it was either his rookie year or his second year of the season. Because didn't they, that national championship, I believe, was 06 for the Gators? With Al Horford and everything like that. Yeah, so I know we uh, were in high school. Yeah. Yes. They went back to back, right? That Corey Brewer, yep. Joe Kim yep. Noah. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the that's the squad there. And then Al Horford came out. He went to the Atlanta Hawks. And then he immediately became a thorn in the Celtics side. Not not necessarily like beating them, but just like always pain uh, to play against that team uh back then. But uh he he's he's good. He's good. I don't know. I'm a big fan. Really, really big selling fan. me on Al Horford right now. There you go. That's what I want. I have to get, I've got that forty-two. Get that forty-two Vin Baker jersey. You'll have oh, to we'll scratch out Baker and put Horford. Put a put a nice little piece of tape over that, and uh, we'll we'll be able to get you on the Al Horford team here. But 
This team is doing good. Celtics are doing great. Enough talking about at just Al Horford. This team has brought themselves to the best record in the league. Do we think that they're the best team in the league, though? And should they be favorited to, to win the whole thing, do you think? I mean, if you've looked at the way the Warriors are playing, if you're going off, you know, using last year as your initial barometer, then, yeah, they're the best team. I think they get the best Vegas odds right now. Um not enough value, obviously. They wouldn't wouldn't be playing for that. But no, the, I mean the war the Warriors were the next. I mean, Puck, the Bucks aren't healthy yet, so you can't really give them like the full grade. I mean, they weren't healthy last year, but you know that's that's how things go. Sometimes you catch breaks thing. like that if you're the, if you're the Celtics. So um, I don't know. I haven't I haven't been. A, I'm always good with the West Coast teams just because I'm a night owl. But I haven't been super on top of the the rest of the East this this year. Um, How's like Miami, Toronto? I know they played the other night. Where it's like, what's well, like the status of those like lower, lower tier? I mean that that's not as much as I'm worried about a team like the Cavaliers, who have already shown you that they can beat you and play with you this year, and they've got so much better. I think that that's going to be a speed bump in your way. I don't think that they're obviously better than you, certainly not on paper, but they're built as a team. That starting five could probably go up against any starting five I could mention, uh, and and the only thing that's going to I think put the Celtics over the top against the Cavs is our bench unit is going to be a hell of a lot better than their bench unit, but five for five straight up. I think that they're up there with you. You said it though. Uh, I mean, the bucks would be another one in their way, but they're just not fully going to be, or they haven't been healthy. I would say yet. And we got to see what that'll be like in a playoff matchup against the bucks. If they were to have Chris Middleton, the entire time, the, the only thing that they were missing really last year against them. So I think that that's going to be a problem for them, but yeah, the Cavs, I think from watching the matchups that we've seen so far, that's the other team right now that really feels like it's got itself put together and is able and hungry and willing to go out there and beat a team like the Celtics. So that one I'm worried yeah, about. I mean, what was it? It was two two games both went to overtime. I mean, I'm honestly calling that. I want to say that's the Celtics not closing the way that they should have. I mean, that Cavs team is good. They're gritty. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is just doing something, you know, ridiculous there. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I also watched them lose to the the Kings the other night, you know, going down big. Like fair. the Cavs, are, I don't they? They hit Cavs are big fourth quarter teams. I've been noticing like they're they're not um they're going into these games down like usually at the end of the third quarter. Um, who was yeah? They play the Kings. I mean, it's the same thing against the Celtics going back and forth. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm like a little bit like. Uh, curious about the Kings. I saw the whooping they put on, uh, put on, put on the Nets the other night, and I don't know. I mean, they're somehow they're just they're they're shooting well. They're shooting like crazy. But uh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I am picking up more of the West Coast games so far. But I don't know. I'm excited. I love it. It's NBA. You're a night owl. You you get after those games that start late. There, uh, you get to watch uh, LeBron and the Lakers suck and things like that. So that must be nice. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, only I hate. I'll hate watch that. That's the best. Yes, yeah, it's good stuff uh, watching him fall apart. But actually, I was just looking at the Cavs, and maybe I'm a little bit wrong on them. I think they're on like a four or five game losing streak right now, and I didn't even notice that. So maybe the Cavs aren't even good. <laughs> maybe they, uh, maybe there is no team that's in the Celtics' way. I thought that just straight up those two teams. I hadn't been paying attention to the Cavs, I guess, over the last week or so, uh, them falling apart. But I thought it was going to be Bucks, and I thought it was going to be Cavs. Maybe it won't be Cavs. Who knows at this point? I just don't see anyone else. I mean, the Hawks. No, but you got the, like you said, the Raptors, I don't believe in them. I think the Pacers are up there right now. Uh, Cause they got that rookie Halliburton or whatever. He's randomly winning games for them. 
so I, I mean, there there is nobody else in the Eastern Conference that I'm really afraid of other than the Bucks. And like I said, I thought I was afraid of the Cavs, but maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I shouldn't be. I'm not afraid of the Sixers. I'm not afraid of the, the Heat. We're not afraid of any of those teams. We're certainly not afraid of that dumpster fire, which is the Nets, right? They keep just keep making things worse and worse for themselves, it seems like, over there. So, uh, I don't those know. KD comments? Are we, we going to find time to talk about those KD comments? Yeah, we can talk about that right now. I mean, those things <laughs> – I mean, he's, he's not technically wrong, though, right? I, I mean, it's not yeah, the kind of thing that you would want him to say. Don't get me wrong. But he's not wrong. That's the thing like you say to yourself, like, you know, you don't say that to a room full of people, especially people with microphones and cameras. What a dink. I mean, that's, you're going, it's not like you're getting traded tomorrow. Like that's what makes me think like his head, like he's mentally like not like checked in with this team. Like probably wanted to go to Phoenix was pissed yeah. and all, you know, butthurt. He didn't go to Phoenix. So like, cause if you're going to go share a locker room with these guys, like in team planes day in, day out, like, you like don't speak on dudes like that. Like, no. and then like, Hey, Oh, do you, oh, do you guys hear it? Like, you saw like I, what I just did <laughs> up there. Yeah. I mean, like, it's true. Like that's not, that's not cool, man. Plus I, I mean, I like freaking what's his name? Uh, white dude who's shooting the threes that he called up. Oh, uh, I was going to say Joe Harris, but it's not him. Right. It's Joe uh, Harris. Thank you. Yeah. Is it so Joe Harris? Okay. John Blank. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I was doing that. Joe but, Harris is all yeah, right. I mean, they, they they don't. They really don't have anybody. And then you got to deal with the whole Kyrie Irving situation, the the Simmons thing where he can't figure his crap out either. And he's being kind of like a, just an annoying player to have to deal with. So, I mean, I They're get already it. fed up with them. It's it, like they just don't understand it. He was in the game when they were like down 30 to the Kings in the fourth quarter. He was still in the game missing bunnies. I'm like. There he is. We got to take another break, but when we come back, we'll continue bashing the Nets and all their decisions here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. We're bashing the Nets for all their terrible decision making. Let's get back to it. There it is. I just, and they thought that bringing in like Ime Odoka would just solve all problems. I don't understand what they were thinking about over there. Uh, Brooklyn just can't figure it out. And so they're, they're another one. You had all the talent in the world. I almost look at them, and this is uh, no coincidence that there was the same player on both of these teams. They're like that Celtics team that had Hayward and Kyrie Irving and all that talent, and it just went absolutely nowhere. I mean, ours fell apart more due to injury. Theirs is falling apart due to turmoil, both of which had Kyrie Irving involved. But, I mean, (laughs) it it just feels like uh, they had all the talent in the world, the best next thing coming, if they could just shut up kind of, and, and stop, like, creating all these these uh, nonsensical situations where Kevin Durant's calling these people out and Kyrie Irving's fighting against the media over here and then Ben Simmons is just not talking to anybody because he can't do anything. I, it's just crazy. I mean, I'd shut up and take $30 million a year, too. Like, I don't know. I have anxiety. Go away. Like, yeah, mental health. Like, oh, uh, no. We all know that Durant just wants to be able to talk and get his words out there, and he's got burner accounts and all that kind of stuff, and we get that. I thought that that was, I mean, very telling. You said it yourself. He's not bought into the season because he went into the year being like, no, I'm demanding a trade. I don't want to be a part of this dumpster fire. I can see the writing on the wall. Get me out of here. And they were like, no, but we're not going to do that. You're going to stay here, and you're going to play. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to play, but I'm not going to be happy about it. So, I I mean, like, how did you think this was going to go? I mean, it's that whole thing, right? You talk about players now that have like the freedom of like the, the player movement, like they can actually dictate where they go. Like, I'm gonna sit out, whatever. Like, 
you know, that's this one just just didn't work. He just he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like he just he didn't he gave up. You know what I mean? I think he low key not like I think he definitely like hates Kyrie. Probably hates a, a lot of people in that organization. But like he, neither of them would ever like have the audacity to like you know we, they always have to be cool with each other like no matter what they'll never be publicly. But how could you like shit like stand you up you know up from Golden State with you know you get James Harden after the fact you go to Brooklyn team up with him. And this is like, this is, he's not available because he doesn't want to get vaxxed. It's not available because he's an anti-Semite. Like that, that's like two things that Kevin Durant probably did not, fa- no human in the, the freaking history of the world could ever factor like those two things in, but that's Kyrie. That's the wild card you have to deal with. Like he just, he doesn't play for an entire contract because he just has moral issues. I don't know. I'm assuming that he doesn't. That. He doesn't actually hate Kyrie. He just hates what he's become or what he's done to himself, basically. Like the situations he's put himself in. I'm sure that they're buddy-buddy off the court when they're not talking about all these ridiculous topics, though I do think Durant finds himself to be an intellectual type and wants to talk about these things. But it's just like what Kyrie doesn't understand is this affects the stuff on the court, too. Kyrie thinks he can just go over there, talk all whatever he wants to say, and then, hey, back off me, man. I'm just going to play basketball. That's just not how it's going to work. You're going to get the conversation every time you've got a microphone put in front of you. You're going to get those questions. It's going to cause a problem. So I, f- I feel like Durant just hates that he's not smart enough to just shut his mouth and just understand that this can affect the game and the team way more. Like uh, So I don't know. It, it, it sucked, but you you put yourself in that position, right? You, as Durant, you you tied yourself to the crazy. You put yourself in that area. Yeah. And then he and then he put him. Basketball and then he tried has never to, been priority, dude. He, he tried to put uh, himself in a situation. He tried to pull a Tom Brady, basically what ba- Brady did with the Bucks, and said, "You know what? I'm going to just retire or leave or something." But Brady actually got his way and got his coach fired. He, and and uh, Durant didn't get his fired until what five six games into the season, I guess. So I don't know. He he tried to do it too, but it's uh it's a whole problem with them. It's a whole problem with disgruntled players. And what you're going to end up getting is a team that turned into the dumpster fire that a lot of people thought they were going to be. They already are there. It's lit. And that's actually what I think is going to happen to another team. It's a little closer to our hearts in Boston, in the Boston Red Sox. I know we're going to talk a little Red Sox here. Get a quick Red Sox minute in here because I don't know if you're as surprised as I am. I'm not really surprised. But the new poll or the new odds have come out about – the Boston Red Sox trying to sign one of their best players in Xander Bogarts. And they have the third best odds, according to Vegas, to sign Xander <laughs> Bogarts at plus 450. They're behind the Phillies at plus 250 and then the Cubs at plus 325. They are not going to get Bogarts. This is just going to snowball into they're not going to bring back Devers either. Are you surprised that this is happening or did you kind of like me see this all coming to fruition before? I mean, you saw it happen with Mookie Betts, you know, trade at the deadline for nothing for pennies versus losing in free agency. But yeah, (laughs) you just, you you knew this was coming. You hope, you hoped it wasn't, you hope that they'd actually pony up and pay market value for this guy. It's, you don't, I don't really understand, like, I understand the philosophy, but it's just not something that you should be applying here. Like, you need, like, the team, like, 
remember like how it used to be the hot like the hot seat like the hot stove like thanksgiving time like baseball players would be signing like free agent deals manny ramirez all that stuff like that stuff doesn't happen anymore and that's just it, not here there it needs to be in order in order to reinvigorate like keep the fans interested like year after year you gotta have like pop moves like that you gotta be able to like get the like get people buzzing about stuff and like when you sign a bunch of guys for like eight million dollars a year that you know pass a money ball metric and can win you 74 games a season on a huge ass payroll like that's just they're like you gotta like if you're gonna spend big like go you have to get big names and that's that's what just makes me upset and then you have the benefit of actually home developing home growing talent like bogarts like devers and you've got them under market rate especially in bogarts case the guys played for you for over a decade for like always under 20 million dollars a year and now it's just all right we're done like we got the most out of them like no like you have the benefit of not having to pay that huge market rate like because you brought them up all those years and paid them through arbitration and like team-friendly deals pay the guy the market rate i mean like you're, you're only going to hurt, even if signing him doesn't help you increase the fan base or get more buy-in, it certainly prevents you from losing it more like they're going to do when they don't sign him. We've got another break, but when we come back, we'll continue talking about the Red Sox here on 90.7 WKKL. The Clap Trap with your host, Zach Clap. We're talking about the Red Sox and their lack of production when signing talented players. Let's get back to it. That's what I'm saying. That that's a big part of it. It's it's it, you nailed it. It's not even necessarily the frustrating part is they're not going out there and making those splash hot stove type deals and things like that, bringing in the new names or anything like that. That's frustrating on one level. But then, like you said, having homegrown talent, somebody that you brought up through the system and is still producing, by the way, it's not like they've completely fallen off. And we're talking about a guy that's getting, you know, at, towards the end of his career, like a, a Dustin Bur- Pedroia at the end of his career type where he was kind of completely falling off and people are being like, all right, we can't really bring him in, even though he's meant this much to the team. Bogarts is still legit, just had another legit season last year. And you're just basically kind of, once again, don't want to have to pay, spend too much money. I kind of got it with the Mookie Betts thing. He was asking for the moon. He was asking to be paid like one of the top one, two or three players in the entire league. I get that. I still don't agree with it necessarily, but I get it. You don't want to get it on one of those types of players. Xander Bogarts, though, I, I mean, you're not going to be breaking a Red Sox bank if you ask me. You can't really ever break the Red Sox bank to bring in a guy that not only is still producing, but is a huge, huge, huge part of that leadership group. He's he's the guy. He Bogarts is the face of the franchise. He may not be the best player, but he's the one that galvanizes the group, in my opinion, so I don't know why you're not going to go out for that kind of a guy. And then, like I said, if you then go on the down the line, I can make up an excuse for you with Mookie Betts. I could even, I guess, technically give you a little bit of leeway with Xander Bogarts because you at least went out there and got Trevor Story. But if you don't bring back Devers as well and you lose all three of those players, I mean, we have to we have to riot. We have to boycott the Red Sox. And, and people have to stop going to the game. How else are you going to – I thought John Henry just got rid of his ownership stake in the soccer team. Shouldn't you be more focused on this team now? Shouldn't we be trying to sign these players? What are you doing? I don't get it. He's trying He's, he's trying to build uh, – was it Vegas? He's trying to get a basketball team in Vegas? Oh, that's, is that that's, what he's that's, doing that's now? That's his main focus now. Yeah, and there's um there's also an MLS team that's like – they might, might he might be able to own both, I guess. So that's sort of his, mm-hmm. like, his shtick lately. Yeah, oh, I mean okay. – 
you know, honestly, I feel like you just know Bogarts is going to go to to the Phillies. I mean, it's it, he's going to get paid right. It's Zombrowski. It all it makes too much sense. Yep. I mean, why wouldn't you want to join that squad? I mean, that's they need that's, him. That's, They'll pay no for him. Yeah, that Dombrowski, exactly. like you said, he knows what he needs on his team. He's going to go out there. He's going to buy himself a championship opportunity. And the Bru- and the Red Sox are just not in that scenario right now. They're they're looking at themselves too. I know every time I talk about the Red Sox, I say basically the same thing here, but they have the small market mindset, the money ball mindset, and it's just not going to get it done. And what frustrates everyone at, on the fan side of things is on top of the money ball attitude when it comes to getting other players in, you're just not even signing the guys that you grew in your own farm system that prove themselves and are still proving themselves. I don't need you to go out there and sign, give JD Martinez more money when you can see that he's starting to fall off, but Xander Bogarts is still producing for this team and he's a leadership talent or a, a big part of the leadership in the group. I don't know. It, it makes no sense to me. And as I said before, I think if, if they let him and Devers go, we riot, we riot in the streets and John Henry needs to be ousted as the owner or one of the majority. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't, I haven't paid for Nesson in like two and a half <laughs> years. So, I mean, I'm, I've been, I've been rioting. I'm, I'm all about the riot. I'm with that. I'm with that. I, I, I can't, what I can't stand is just the fact that it's like an equation for the, these guys. I mean, that's, I think it's how Henry made his money, right? It's like all stock market, like figured out like a, a formula, like for predicting the stock market. He looks at it as I can never go if I never go over the luxury tax and I can put a team out there that makes the playoffs what, two out of four years, every two out of four years, every other year, I'll generate enough revenue from the playoff games to keep this thing afloat and like they're, you know, get paid out X amount. It's all really sucks. And it just sucks because sometimes you need to spend hundred percent. You need 110%. You gotta go over, you gotta pay a little bit of a penalty. Like look at the Celtics are doing. Like you gotta be able to, you have to want to invest like that to bring, more, bring a championship, reinvigorate people. I mean, that's you can't keep doing this yo-yo up and down type of thing. It's it's absurd. Just read the room, John. Just read the room, man. Everybody wants it. Everybody's you know demanding it basically, and you're just gonna still spit in everyone's face and let all these guys go. Uh, it's disgusting to me, and it, and it makes me feel like fans of the the Red Sox. It's an older generation group, anyways. They should be falling off by by the day at this point with all this kind of news. So. <laughs> That's just how That's I terrible. feel. That's just how I feel. All right. On that note, we'll take another break. But when we come back, you'll get more of the Claptrap here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. Time to switch up the topics. We got a juicy one next. Let's get back to it. All right. Now we jump from one team where the fans are, you know, should be revolting at this point. I'm asking for it to another team that has... It's fan base kind of up and down on them right now in the New England Patriots, revolting a little bit, at least to a certain point here. And uh, in all honesty, these latest comments that have come out against my main man, Bill Belichick, are disgusting. If you haven't heard the LaShawn McCoy comments that he made the other day when he was trying to finally make a name for himself in the media world, because you obviously know he's got to be able to promote himself and get the podcast views or get on and say some uh, flamboyant, crazy stuff out there. He went on a verbal rant page against Bill Belichick and basically told everybody that he's just another coach. He means nothing now, especially without Brady. 
and uh, everyone should be starting to think about them that way. So I, I figured it would be a good co- topic of conversation to bring up with uh, with Matt here, who is our resident Brady Bobo and not the biggest fan of Bill Belichick. Uh, so I got to get his opinions on what was said by LaShawn McCoy. I'm assuming you've seen it by now. You've heard everything that he's said, and I'm willing to break it down point by point, but I'll give you the floor to start. What did you think about LaShawn McCoy's comments about Bill Belichick? I'm not surprised. A, it's not a narrative that hasn't been talked about before in terms of Belichick's record and where he sits without Brady. B, J.D. went down and to Tampa and won with Brady. Am I right? The first yeah. year. They, that, yep. So um, that I would, I would listen to whatever, like if Tommy was like, Hey, like the, the, that Belichick stinks. Like I'm, I'm the man. Like, I, <laughs> yep. You're right. You just won me a super bowl. Like I would listen to anything. I'd follow that man. I'm, if I'm going to follow anyone. It's going to be Tom Brady over Bill Belichick. So, I mean, I think it's again, the narrative, like I think Bel- he's short selling Belichick, obviously the guy's done some, some amazing stuff, um, but he's you know, shady. He's got sort of this, you know, why not take shots if he, you know, he's on that Brady Kool-Aid, so. Yeah, he's on the Brady Kool-Aid, and he's trying to make a, a name for himself in the media world, clearly. So when you say things like this, now people are going to want to hear what he has to say next. Uh, that's pretty obvious, so I, I, I don't know. What does he follow it up with? What do you think? Yeah, how do you, how do you go with that? Uh, what, what else does he have to say um, at, at that point? But I, I think that it was extremely disrespectful, but it wasn't 100% wrong. It wasn't 100% wrong. Some of the things he said, I am willing to agree with what he said. But some of the other things, some of the real disrespectful stuff, when he started putting him in the likes, in the the rankings with, he said, with the Marvin Lewises and the Rex Ryans of the world, are you, get out of here, you joke of a human being. That is the most disrespectful thing to put him in that category. We're talking about Marvin Lewis, who was just barely a 500 coach in the regular season and 0-7 in all playoff games that he ever coached in. And don't even get me started about Rex Ryan, that foot-loving weirdo. I don't think that there's any way you should ever utter the name Bill Belichick in the same sentence with either of those two coaches. So Horrible start by McCoy. You could have gone with Tomlin. You could have gone with uh, Andy Reid, and I would have respected it more. And I think he does eventually get into that in his comments because I forget the woman's name who was talking with him, basically reminded him, hey, yeah, maybe put him in there with like at least the best coaches that are going right now. Don't start off with Marvin Lewis and Rex Ryan. You lose all credibility right out the gate yeah, she, if you ask me. She's really holding his hand. She's holding his hand on that one, trying to, like, yeah. guide him. Like, he's n- not a lot of good uh, media instincts on that, man. You know, maybe it'll get better with time. My guess is probably not. I, if you're going to you, come with that. You, you got, like, you got the inflammatory comment. Like, like Belichick's not that great without Brady. Like, oh, all right, cool. He's, but, like, then when you start, like, the biggest mistake he made was start to drop parallels. Like, start, like, he's like, is he, like, a Rex Ryan? It's like, oh, dude, like, come on. Like, now it's, like, you have, like, a decent like nebulous sort of argument where like you could get people like talking now like you just the whole thing the all you lost all your credibility when you compare it to those guys you lose it you lose it immediately it's the same thing that happened with asante samuel you start off up here up here with the great first comment and then as you talk more and more and more you sound so much dumber i just say it's, hell, it's of a, hell of a freaking first punch though no yeah it's great and you always they always seem to come out with that first punch and they get it and they it strikes a chord and everybody is behind them like yeah that's the right message and then you hear the rest of the things that he said and he just completely is like where are you going with this man this is kind of ridiculous what you're doing i was on board with you he then went on to say 
that people hate for you to be real about Bill Belichick, which I do agree with that. I, I, I think that there's a lot of that, at least around the Patriots and things like that. Uh, the fan base, the Patriots fan base, don't ever say anything bad about Bill Belichick. There's the Bill Belichick Bobos, just like the Brady Bobos, who are going to say no matter what, if you say anything negative about him, you're wrong, which I think that's incorrect. I mean, obviously, Bill Belichick has made mistakes over his career. He's had bad draft classes. He's made bad coaching decisions out there. He's not perfect. He is a human being, and he's a, a, a petty human being at that, just like you know Tom is, I think, as well. So I, I don't know, that kind of stuff. I understand where he's coming from there. Um, he's certainly not perfect, but the consistency that you have over 20 years, over a 20 year dynasty doesn't come from you just being a regular run of the mill coach. I don't care if you would gave Tom Brady to Rex Ryan or Marvin Lewis or any of these other bozos that he was trying to compare it to. None of them would have had a 20 year run, even close to what they had with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, in my opinion. So I think that that's where you're crazy. I understand that you got to give more credit to Brady. I've said this before, but if you don't at least give the Bill Belichick and coaching side of things, at least like 40% of the credit, in my opinion, I think you're crazy. I think that there's much more even uh, nature to that argument I will I will give you that Brady obviously being on the field being the player he has more to influence with it but getting that defense in line at all times that's all on Bill Belichick getting the special teams yes I know some people hate on special teams and things like that but having those units consistently prepared week in and week out for 20 years uh, come on man it's not just all one player as much as, as he's the GOAT don't get me wrong but it's not all one player so that that part uh, I, I think is also a little bit uh, crazy on him to say that the next part that he brought up there, he talked about the Jamie Collins stuff. He said that Jamie Collins was our best defensive player. He also even said possibly our best player at that time, back when the Patriots ended up trading him to the Browns because he wasn't really going for the contract situation that they wanted him to. He was also doing ridiculous things that was reported of him just like running off on his own and being like, okay, you're going to play zone here. And he would just blitz for no reason. So like, yeah, you're out of here, Jamie Collins. That's kind of crazy. But what Sean McCoy said was, yeah, sure. You can trade your best player when you have Tom Brady. And I, I agree. It makes it a lot easier to trade players when you have somebody like Tom Brady that can, you know, put band-aids over other areas and fix things. But can we also talk about the fact that Jamie Collins was a complete bum everywhere else that he went, except for when he played on the Patriots, he would go away to another team, show the fact that he actually sucked. And then he would come back to the Patriots he'd be utilized in the right way. And then all of a sudden his stock would go back up again. And the same process would happen again. So I think that that was another point that LaShawn McCoy, like half and half, right? Half and half. Okay, we're taking another break here, but when we come back, we'll keep dissecting the LaShawn McCoy comments here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. We're talking about the crazy LaShawn McCoy comments on Bill Belichick. Let's get back to it. I, I don't know. That was another one. Nothing but shots against the Patriots. Oh, that's just his big target. He's just going to go in on the Pats in any way, shape, or form. Of course, of course. I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's an easy first target. I mean, there's definitely you know people no. love the Patriots. They, well, they love to love them, hate them, you know, whatever. Whatever. I loved them. Now it's I'm it. sort of you know. It, it's a big uh, yeah. You can create a lot of controversy and a lot of topics with that. I mean, the last point that he brought in, this one was a, a, another one that I kind of agree with here. He said that uh, basically 
Brady or or it was mentioned to him that Brady was the woman who he was talking to said, well, now Brady was brought in as a six round talent and became the greatest of all time. Obviously, that has something to do with Bill Belichick, to which LaShawn McCoy retorted. Well, yeah, but now he's got a first round quarterback in Mac Jones who looks like he's going the other way. So I also agree with that. That's another that's another one right there. And maybe you can say that Bill Belichick lost his developmental fastball at this point, and he's not doing as good of a job with Mac Jones. He also put himself into a horrible position, bringing in just his own buddy coaches to try and coach up this new quarterback here. And that's obviously becoming a problem, too. So Bill's got some. Uh, you know, he needs to kind of step it up when it comes to that. And we're going to see that through the rest of this season. McCoy's not wrong there. But I also do think that obviously Belichick helped start off Brady's career in the path that he went to. You have to admit that, right? Yeah, they, they lifted each other up di- like differently at like different points in the their career, right? So like obviously oh, yeah. Belichick putting together the whole the whole program, the defense and everything, you know, and putting Brady in a position to, to manage the game and win in the beginning. Yeah, of course. And towards the tail end, I mean, Belichick got in the way, benching Malcolm Butler. I mean, so that that's I, that would piss me off too. Um, but then there's also yeah, the Rams but, but, Super Bowl. But I think it's so it's like the, like the two the two obviously the two made one another better. They're better together than separate. But Brady was more not he's much more important than Bill. Not like far more, but he's significant. Brady is significantly more important to the results than Belichick. It's just how it is but they both made each other better. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that they both did. I agree. Um, I, I agree that if you want to bring up the Malcolm Butler thing, regardless of what I think about him and he's a bum, uh, I, I think that maybe, you know, that that's obviously a questionable decision there. You also had the Rams. If, Super he, Bowl, made, if he one pass defended, if he defended a single pass against the 600 yards that got thrown up on him, if they, they just knocked down one ball and one third down. They won the Super Bowl. But then what about the Rams Super Bowl where it was basically all the defense and uh, the fact that you had Gilmore being a dominant force on one side, holding the other team to only six points in their Super Bowl game. I mean, while your offense can only score 13, that's, I mean, other than that big Gronkowski catch and drive there, what did the offense do in that one? So, I mean, I think, like you said, they both kind of, there was moments for each of them that they both did good. I do admit though, Brady had more to do with the success, but if you're going to tell me that Belichick doesn't even deserve to be like in the conversation, then you're, you're complete jerk off in my opinion. And then it makes no sense. No, they, they worked, they worked well together, but Brady clearly won the breakup and sort of middle and just, just banging fives all the time. Now, speaking of that breakup, uh, Brady's obviously going through his, a real breakup in, in life, in his divorce with his wife, but he's two and oh, since then, and starting to kind of turn things around, it seems like. So it brings me to the question, are the Buccaneers back to being a title contender at this point? I wouldn't call – I mean, yeah, sure. Because, honestly, they're going to win the division. And so you're going to give Brady a home playoff game. And I'm not going to bet against that man once he's in the dance. You know, put him into the the final 12, whatever, the, how the numbers shake out now. I mean, they win a home playoff game. Might have to go on the road. But I mean, I, I, I'm why not at this point? You know, why not? The odds were like plus twenty two hundred last week for them to them to win it. I mean, it's good value. Yeah, I, know it's good, I mean, I, I put I put you know less less than a hundred bucks, but like you know, if it, if it hits, it's it's like like oh man, like should have known Brady was gonna do it again. Like I mean, <laughs> that that's that's not like that unbelievable. So 
I, uh, I I think that they they are contenders just because, like you said, they're definitely going to get into the playoffs. I think they have one of the easiest remaining schedules going uh, to get in there. So that, that's going to be really easy for them to just get into the playoffs. And then when you're playing against teams like the Eagles, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Niners, any of those quarterbacks that go up against Tom Brady, they're going to crap down their leg, I think. So, oh, I, I, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that you have to worry about anything there. I will say the only thing that could get in their way – is maybe the Buccaneers coaching staff being completely dumb and doing stupid things or their defense, maybe making some weird questionable plays or something like that, that could get in Brady's way. Uh, And then I also think that if either Mahomes or Josh Allen is on the other side of the field in the Super Bowl, I don't know if Brady has enough in the tank right now to be able to beat a high power team like that, just because of the players around him, probably on the defensive side more than the offensive side now that he's getting his weapons back. But I don't know. I mean, just feels- yeah, health health would be a, a determining factor there. I mean, the the Chiefs are obviously without Tyreek Hill, and then they've got but Juju Smith Schuster's hurt, uh, Cole sure. Hardman's hurt. But you know, but the the Chiefs have made the Bucks look silly in primetime football the past two seasons. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then obviously the Bucks did it in the Super Bowl. So I don't know. I mean, it's it'd be nice to see if Brady had one more, one more run left in him against the kid, but I'm playing against Josh Allen against the bills, a team that Brady is historically owned. That would also be a fun watch too. You know, I'm rooting for Brady in either, either scenario. It doesn't matter. Of course I mean, you are. We go, he left. We got a second team. It's like uh, Boston, New England always wanted always needed a second sports team. Ooh, now we have them. I don't know. I don't know if that's how that works. I don't know if everyone would agree with you on that, but I think that he does have a legitimate shot. Brady has a chance. Uh, and, and like I said, I think the only thing that might hold him back is maybe his coaching staff. Cause those guys don't always show up. They are not always making the right decision. I mean, you go back to that game in, in Germany there, you had one of arguably the worst play calls I've ever seen, putting your 45 year old quarterback running a route out to the left side there and trying to catch a football. What did you think of that entire play? That was ridiculous. You're going to have to wait to hear that answer because we're taking one last break before we finish up the show here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're wrapping up the show with one final segment here, getting Matt's thoughts on Brady's attempt at making a catch during the Germany game. Let's get what he thinks. Here we go. So I don't know play calling well enough to know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Brady did not call his own number and be like, I'm going wide. Like, let's do this. I I don't, I don't think it was him, but I also think that like, he could probably, he can probably shake a play off if he gets it in the headset. Like, no, are you effing nuts? Like, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. So, like, no, I'm not doing this. So, like, part of him probably wanted to, like, he's looked stupid every single time he's tried to go out and, and catch a pass. He's it's never, he's, he's gotten hurt. He's looked dumb. It, this time he got a tripping. He freaking <laughs> tripped up the, the, the back that was near him. Like, he's he's never looked good. Like, I can't, like, nope. from, he's got too much of an ego to, like, to, like, the, like, when you're the pitcher, you got to like shake it off and like the catcher throws you one. That one, you're going to be like, nah, nah, I, I remember last time. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, is that the coaching staff just being like, hey, Tom, we're going to do this play? And Tom being like, you know what? Yeah, I could do, I could boss this guy right now. You saw, I don't know if you saw that little tweet comment that he had afterwards. He was like, I was this close to mossing that guy and bring it back for six. Uh, but I, I just like, why would you even put your 45 year old quarterback? in that scenario on arguably one of the worst looking fields I've seen in a long time. I mean, that thing was torn up to shreds 
And then you're going to have Tom at least let him do it on a regular field or a turf field or something where he can actually run. I don't think he had any chance yeah. not to slip. Maybe he's faster on uh, real grass. Maybe it's like a, a thing that's that's he's more aerodynamic. Maybe. He gets better traction. It's synthetic turfs. So I, I don't know, man. It was you saw it unfold and like you've seen you've just seen it before here. And it's like what was the it was against Tennessee when he got injured in that play. I think he, he finished the game because he's a effing war horse but <laughs> yeah it's you just knew like when that went down it's like oh and like he hopefully didn't shatter his shin when he tried to trip that guy because he definitely tripped him dude i mean it's just I, I don't know that so that's the biggest problem i think for the buccaneers is whether brady's not shaking off the plays whether brady thinks he can do some of these plays or it's just the bucks coaching staff and for some reason brady's not telling them no that could always get in their way so that that could be the major roadblock for Tom Brady getting another Super Bowl at this point. He's trying, he's trying new things. He's newly single. He's trying to just, you know, figure out his place in the world right now. So he's like, maybe, maybe I can retire from quarterback and become a wide receiver and launch another career. Yeah. Right, right, right. Maybe that's the case. What, uh, just real quickly, we're not a gossip magazine or anything, but what'd you think about the whole Giselle already having a boyfriend thing? I didn't even read into that. I've, I've had a crazy couple of weeks myself, but I haven't really done the, uh, the tabloids. Who is, is well, there like a rumor as to who it is? Oh, I'll tell you who it is. It's, it's her Taekwondo instructor or something like that that she's had for over a year and that her kids That's... have met. Yeah. I mean, Brady, I might have to go bet the friggin' bet the mortgage on the bucks now. That's, that's a revenge tour. I mean, seriously, that's like, I, I mean, obviously the marriage had probably been crumbling for a while. You don't just come to that realization uh, like out of nowhere. And it certainly wasn't because just because he went back to play football, but man, that's, it sounds like from everything that was coming out about that, it's been at least a year that she's been getting lessons from this guy. And now she's immediately dating him like weeks later. So, and she could probably knock out Brady because she's got the Taekwondo skills. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, I just thought that that was an interesting part of the whole scenario there. But you might be right. Maybe that's going to overcome any of the dumb coaching from the Buccaneers coaching staff. The revenge tour for Brady wanting to go out there and stick it to his ex-wife. Well, I didn't really need any reason to to, to, to take his side. I was going to jump on his <laughs> side anyways. But now that this, this hoe is doing this to him, <laughs> poor, poor guy. Poor Tom. Poor Tom. Uh, but actually... There's somebody else we should probably be feeling worse for at this point. And I, uh, to just kind of wrap up uh, things to do with the show and then the gambling competition picks will come after, but speaking, speaking of poor saps that are dealing with a horrible situation that just happened, this whole Mendez uh, gambling pick that happened the other night. I don't know if you fully followed up on everything that happened with this, but in the gambling competition, Mendez had Devonte Smith, over 51 and a half receiving yards in that Monday night football game. And if you didn't see it, I talked about it earlier in the week, but I wanted to get Matt's opinion on it. He had 58 receiving yards. It was all wrapped up. You go into that last play of the game. They do the fumble Ruski lateral play. It ends up in Devonte Smith's hands. He chucks it backwards into the ground and it's picked up for a fumble and a score. They ended up bringing him down to like 38 yards or something. It was almost like a 20-yard loss for him receiving yards. Is that the worst beat of all time? No, I think this probably worse. And I was trying – I tried so hard earlier today to find – like go into like the archives of 
the college football and figure out there was some dude, I, I swear, like might've not even been like D one, but um, had, hit the worst. It was like, he had like the all time rushing record. Then he ran for a negative play in like the last game and lost the record. But that that's probably the word. That's what came came to mind for this. This is a freaking gambling pick. I mean, this is, I think it was what 42 it was, it was 41 and a half was the yardage. He had 42. And the, the, to me, it's just, it's just a failure of like the, the stat keeping, like, like the, how is that? How does that, that's like, that would be rushing to me. Like when you get yeah. that ladder, like when you, when you were like, you get it, like you didn't catch a forward pass. You got like, you know, it was like someone pitched it to you. Exactly. So that should be rushing yards. That's what so I was that's, thinking. Um, yeah. That one, I don't really understand. I, I'd want, I'd want my money back if I, if I were involved in that one, I'll be honest. Yeah. I think Mendez was trying to get that uh, on Twitter. I saw him going after some sports books or something like that, trying to get it back. No response. Yeah, get him. Yeah, get him. Uh, but, I, mean, I just thought, as far as bad beats go, yeah, that that uh, I mean, obviously going for the record and then getting taken away from him—that's terrible. But bad beats, gambling wise, I can't think of one that's been worse than that. Uh, I mean, on the most ridiculous play that never works, you're going to lose that many yards and lose your your player prop bet. I feel bad. I feel bad. Yeah, not not an easy one to, to to handle. You don't you don't expect once you hit that number, it's going to go back like back down. But you know, I, I'll be honest. I've I've done so poorly with the competition that I stopped actually checking the updates of like who's who's where. I just once I hit a, like a I had like an zero and five week, and I was like, yeah, you know, well, I'm just going to set aside a hundred dollars right now. I'm going to give it to these guys, and you know, <laughs> maybe next year. Hey, don't worry about it. You're not out of it. There's still a lot of football left, a lot of weeks to go. You can get back in this thing, and it's going to start right next when we give our next uh, gambling picks here. I know you get get going, but we'll get you on maybe a voicemail or something to give the picks. Uh, But I just want to say thank you for coming back on the show again. We'll get you on again soon to talk more maybe about the Brady Revenge Tour, but also the Celtics and other things as well. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you. Now it's time to win you some money with a couple minutes of gambling talk. Okay, time for everybody's favorite gambling competition. We got to give all the picks for this weekend. Uh, we have the the team getting a little bit better overall. Everyone except myself had a winning weekend on their picks last weekend. Unfortunately, mine came down to the last second and I lost on Monday night bringing me to two and three, but the rest of the guys were four and one, three and two. Happy to see it. Happy to see uh, that we're all giving out winning picks. Well, besides myself this weekend, uh, at least a a winning weekend for the rest of the guys. So happy about that. As the competition continues to heat up, we got a couple of voicemails from Mendez and Cam. Uh, You got my picks as well. And we're going to start off with those picks. But I have a little bit of a controversy with my picks right now, a little bit of a frustration thing. It's all revolving around that Bills-Browns game. I got to tell you, I'm pretty upset about the fact that on Monday night, during the Monday night football game, I actually looked ahead to the next week, saw the Browns-Bills game, before really even knowing about the snow, saw that it was at 47, was going to take the under, did take the under, bet that, Talk to the guys about it on Twitter. If you didn't follow along, it's at the Claptrap. You'll be able to see us talking all about the gambling competition, things going on in there, uh, at Zach Clap as well on Twitter. I was talking to the guys about it, showed them the betting slip and everything. I was going to have Bills, Browns, under 47 in Buffalo with three to six feet of snow, whatever it was. I was feeling pretty good about the pick. 
You know, uh, I got it at 47, like I said, on Monday night. Then come Tuesday, it immediately shot down to 44 or 43, something like that, uh, because the the weather reports were starting to come out. By the time the, you know, you're getting closer to the end of the week, it's down at 41 and a half around there. And I was uh, excited about what I had. Then yesterday, it comes out that uh, they're actually going to move the game to Detroit. So that nullified any bet that I had, change of venue, changed everything up there. And now you're going to have the Bills-Browns game played at a neutral site in Detroit instead. So I originally had that game uh, under 47 when I thought it was going to be in the snow. And you know what? I'm sticking with under 48.5 now in the Bills-Browns game. Uh, that's going to be in the neutral site. I, I think that in this one, in all honesty, the first the first time that I looked at this line, the reason I was going under anyways was because the Bills are such heavy favorites. I don't think that the Browns are going to be able to score much, if at all, against this Bills team. They still have Jacoby Brissett. They don't have scumbag Watson in there yet. I think that they are not going to be able to score with them. I think the Bills will get out to an early big lead, and then they'll be just trying to run the ball constantly to get through the game and and secure the victory. So I'm taking 40 uh, under 48 and a half points in the Browns bills game to start off my picks. Pick number two, I'm going with Panthers Ravens under 41 points in this one. Ravens, huge, huge favorites. I think 13 point favorites in this one. Once again, I, it feels like the Ravens are going to get out to a hot start. The, the uh, Panthers are having to play Baker Mayfield, because Walker is injured, I don't think that's going to go well for the Panthers. They've already pretty much given up on their season, traded a bunch of their huge assets, including Christian McCaffrey. So this is a completely different Panthers team right now. And I think that this Ravens squad coming off of a bye is going to just roll over them. And once again, it's going to be another one of those situations where Ravens get out to an early lead. Panthers can't really do anything. Ravens start to run the ball to control the game, and the game stays under 41 points. So under 41 in the Panthers-Ravens game is my second pick. Third pick I'm going with, Jets-Patriots over 38 points. Not going to lie to you guys, as a Patriots fan, I'm nervous about this one. Even Coming out of the bye week, playing against a Jets team that we just beat up on. I don't care about any of that. I think that the pressure is ramped up in this one to come out strong against a divisional opponent who just had a crazy good win against the Bills, another divisional opponent, before their bye week. Both teams coming off of a bye. Both teams ready to go. Jets are in revenge mode. Patriots are trying to continue to salvage their season and put themselves in a good position. This is a basically a must-win for the Patriots the way the rest of their schedule goes in my opinion, you need to get as many wins as you can against teams that you think that you can actually beat. Jets is one of them, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous in all honesty. I feel like this could be the type of game that's like 21 to 20, just barely finishing it off. Maybe a field goal decides the thing, but I think that the, both teams here are going to be able to come out and score, and I'm worried about the Jets being able to score in this one specifically. So give me the over in the Jets-Patriots over 38 points for my third pick. Pick number four for me. Going to be Chiefs-Chargers under 51 points in this game here. I've been picking a lot of unders recently. Chiefs, big favorites in this one. I think six or seven point favorite. Uh, this is the second time that they're facing each other. Divisional opponents, once again, 
in this scenario here, I think it's going to lead to a lower scoring game. This is a high number at 51 points, so they can still score a decent amount. And I'm still not convinced that either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen will be back for the Chargers at this point. And as good as I think that Herbert is, he just doesn't have the kind of weapons to go on this one. I also uh, am seeing that the chart, I mean, the Chiefs are dealing with injuries with their wide receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster is out uh, or questionable, highly questionable. Miko Hardman, same situation. So I don't know if either one of those guys will play. There may be barely any wide receivers on each side of the field. And I think that that's going to lead to an under in this one. So give me Chiefs. Chargers under 51 points for my fourth pick. The last one I'm going with. I'm taking Cardinals plus eight at home against the 49ers. Now, this number might change drastically between now and game time. So get in on it as quickly as you can, because I do think that Kyler is going to play in this one. And the return of Hollywood Brown just gives him another weapon to work with along with Hopkins. I know that they just lost Zach Ertz, but this team is going to be able to pass the ball, I think, even on a 49ers team and at least keep it close, at least keep it within a touchdown. So give me the points on this one. Both teams coming off big wins. Uh, Cardinals are looking great with Hopkins, and now they're going to get Hollywood Brown back. Uh, so give me Cardinals plus eight at home against the 49ers for my fifth and final pick on that one. Those are my picks uh, for this weekend. Like I said, coming off a two and three weekend last weekend, hopefully getting on the winning side of things. Need to start stacking some good weekends together to get back in this competition. But I figure next we'll go with the leader in the clubhouse, the guy who had the worst beat last weekend in Mendez. Let's hear what he's got for his picks this weekend. Happy week 11. Uh, still trying to recover from last week. Can't lie. I'm rattled. Take a bullet of less than zero confidence, but we're going to give this a shot. Uh, first play, Michael Pittman under 65 and a half receiving yards for Philly. I think Philly's going to come out pretty, uh, pretty aggressive. Indy, I'm, I'm not a believer in them. I think they just found the right matchup in the Vegas last week. Um, Philly strength is the outside corners. I don't see Pittman getting that. Uh, next play, Darnell Mooney over 45 and a half receiving yards against the Falcons. I know AJ Terrell's coming back, but I'll take Mooney now. That, that line's low. He can hit that on one play. He's hit that, I think, six out of his last seven games, but I like that. Uh, same game, I like Marcus Mariota over 205. Passing and rushing yards versus the Bears. Uh, Bears defense is pretty trash. They'll be able to move the ball. It won't be pretty, but if you see him throwing for 160, running for 40, something like that. Uh, next play, Damian Pierce over 80.5 rushing yards versus Washington. So it'll probably be a letdown game from uh, Washington against Houston. I uh, think that much bigger of a win. So a week. I, I see Houston, that's really the only hope of moving the ball is Pierce, so I like that line. That line's kind of low. Last play, Najee Harris under 52.5 rushing out for a century. Coming off the best game of the season, but I'm still not a believer. Now they're talking that his knee's banged up. He's splitting time with Jalen Warren. Uh, week one against Cincy, he had 10 carries for 24 yards. So I'll take the under in that. All right, let's hope uh, the gambling gods are with me and bless me with some good luck this week. All right, later, buddy. All right, yeah, he is still coming off of that uh, bad beat that I can't stop talking about all week if you've been listening to the show. The Devonta Smith 
loss that he had on his player prop of over 51 and a half receiving yards, losing it all on that last play, the lateral play of the game. I don't know how you could recover from that. So understandable, but either way, he still had a winning week of three and two. He's been on a roll. He's just two games under 500 now on the year, the best one out of any of us, which isn't saying much, but still Mendez has been on a roll. His player props have been hitting pretty good minus that Devontae Smith play. So uh, ride with Mendez right now. I think that you're going to be getting some good things, but we have another person to get to another uh, voicemail and that's Mr. Cam. So let's get to his picks next. Hey, y'all, it's Cam here with the picks for the week. Uh, we got three in college and two in the NFL uh, in college. Rest is Georgia, Kentucky, under 48 and a half. Uh, the last, like, three or four times these teams have played this still a little way under this number, and Kentucky's offense has done, like, especially bad this year. Uh, next, we have Iowa plus three versus Minnesota. Uh, I think Iowa's the better team, um, and the total in this game is only, like, 32, so... Gladly take the three points. Uh, you got UCLA plus two and a half against USC. I think UCLA wins this game. I think USC has been overrated all year. Uh, and after the NFL, we'll take the Commanders minus three against the Texans. Uh, I think they can run all over them at will, like they did against the Eagles. And last is the Steelers plus four against the Bengals. I think the Steelers are just a lot different than TJ Wilbur. Um, they should be able to get a lot of pressure from Burris. So to sum it up, uh, Georgia, Kentucky, under Blue and a half. Iowa plus three, UCLA plus two and a half. Washington minus three, Pittsburgh plus four. All right, there we go. You got Cam's picks. He's coming off a four and one weekend. Hot, hot, hot is Cam right now. He's got some college. He's got some pro stuff. He loves the Steelers this year. He loves betting on the Steelers. So that's another one to look into there. And we'll see if Cam can continue his hot streak going forward. We'll also have Matt's picks up on Twitter on Sunday. So keep an eye out on that. Follow the Claptrap at the Claptrap on Twitter. You'll be able to see everything uh, that goes on with that. We're also on YouTube now. If you're listening on the podcast only, you can go ahead and see everything that's going on. We post all of the pics in the video. Uh, so if you're having a hard time hearing these guys and sniffly cam, sounds like maybe he's getting sick again. Hopefully that's not the case. Uh, but we'll see how things go with that. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Just to say, just want to say I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening along to all the claptrap here we'll be back again next week to recap everything that happened in week 11 big game for the patriots games for the celtics games for the bruins we'll see how things go i'll see you guys later peace